Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. It is December 8th, and we are here actually awaiting a decision from the jury in the Josh Duggar trial. And as we promised, we're going to be keeping a really close eye on things. We released this episode specifically later in the week, as opposed to our normal Tuesday time, because we wanted to be right on top of this verdict. Now, as we speak, we are just sort of waiting. It sounds like the jury is still deliberating. Today at 1600 hours and 40 minutes in military time, <laughs> aka 440 central time. So over here, we're operating at six o'clock PM in Eastern time. Um, it The jury was deliberating and they really were interested in listening to Josh Duggar's interview with Homeland Security from the day that the car lot was investigated again in the courtroom. And it's we talked about this recording before. Yes. And basically it's just a perfect example of how Josh Duggar stupid. is an idiot. Yep. So stupid. Mm-hmm. And basically in this recording, he talks about an HP computer that is password protected. Duggar and the agents also talked about peer-to-peer. And Duggar said the HP was split, then asked why the agents were there. Huh? They like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? And the agent said they made some sort of mention of child exploitation. And at that time, Josh Duggar said, oh, is that what you're saying is going on here? Is there something on my devices? Is there child pornography on my devices? It's clear that he was caught red handed and he was too stupid to even cover his own tracks. Yeah. yeah. You have. Yeah. You, I know you have something oh, to add about uh, that. Well, we are going to do an episode on this. So get ready for that because there has been I've been bookmarking lots of little things that have come up throughout this trial because I find it really interesting as a follow up to our two parter that we did before on the good old Duggars. Um, but I think the two things that stand out to me are one, the stupid password that he used. We now know what the password is. What was it? Little kid lover one, two, three. Um, no, even stupider. It's like he wants to be some spy. It's Intel. Um, oh, now I'm going to get it wrong. Is it Intel 80, 1988 or Intel JJ? Just to refresh your memory. So Josh Duggar was arrested on April 29th, 2021. And he was arrested on charges relating to child sexual abuse materials. And those charges include one count of receipt of child pornography and one count of possession of child pornography. So if we roll back to November of 2019, Homeland Security investigated Wholesale Motor Cars, which is Josh Duggar's place of employment. And at the time, downloads allegedly made on a computer were flagged by the Little Rock Police Department and traced to Duggar's IP address. Now we're looking at this claim. We're looking at these charges. If he gets convicted, people, he's looking at 20 years in prison. And yeah. he's also looking at up to 250000 in fines for each count. Now, since there's two counts, that adds up to five hundred grand. Right. So just something to keep in mind while we're looking into this again and why this is such a big deal that the jury is deliberating now and his fate is in their hands. Yeah. So the two things. So first the infamous password, it is Intel 1988. Ooh, Mr. Cool. So sneaky. Yeah. And, and this password was apparently used for even like for 
everything going back to like 2014, I think um, it was even used for like the family Instagram account. And it's like, people get a little more creative. Like, and if you want people hacking into your thing, I mean, I my know. God, like no I know. wonder they found you right away. I do have to laugh. Cause if you've seen that TikTok of, um, you know, I'm the password child. I'm clear, clearly the favorite because my family password includes my birthday or like whatever in the password. And so clearly, again, showing good old golden boy Duggar over here is the favorite child that his little birthday was used in all the family passwords and everything. So of course, the golden child, the mm-hmm. firstborn and yep. the the son to carry on the Duggar name, which what a name it is now will live mm-hmm. on in infamy thanks to him. Yep. Well, and just real quick, the second thing that I thought was really funny and stupid Uh, We talked a little bit about, I think we did in one of our other episodes, how the phone records clearly corroborate, like he's doing this on the computer. And two minutes before that, he sent a text message going to be late at the car lot. And then like two minutes later, he's on his computer downloading something. And there's one instance where it's a picture of him in a stupid red hat for his car company um, that he took. I think it's like a reflection of him. Like he took a picture of a YouTube video on his computer and the reflection shows this dipshit in his red hat. Um, and then like, <laughs> what a dumbass. and then like, you know, you can argue, like, I can't really tell if it's him or not. Cause it's a reflection. And then like a couple hours later, there's a picture of him and his wife at Lowe's and he's in the stupid red hat. Like, <laughs> Of course. Dumb. Just dumb. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy did not cover his tracks whatsoever. No. And another thing that's interesting that you pointed out is just the insane narcissism slash he's so overconfident and cocky to the point of being stupid yes and one of his fatal mistakes here is the fact that he pled not guilty after he was charged with two Mm -hmm. counts of receiving and possessing child sexual abuse materials now most people realize that if you plead guilty they give you a little bit of a break right it's his first offense like yeah. It, yeah. It's his first offense, technically, even though, you know, he had yes. with his sisters. That's when he was a minor. Mm-hmm. So there's complicated elements here. But he might have gotten off a little bit easier if he just Absolutely. dropped the hubris yep. and pled guilty and said, you know, I own up to it. I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's my what's my punishment? Because he's pleading not guilty, it's gonna be so much worse oh, if yeah. they find that he is. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, he's a celebrity. So, you know, they probably want to make an example out of him. And it, it just the whole thing, I've seen estimates too that at the end of this whole thing, because I'm sure there will be appeals and, and whatnot, this is going to be a million dollar defense for him. Of course, not coming out of his pocket, coming out of uh, Daddy Duggar Bucks over there. <laughs> Daddy Duggar Bucks. <laughs> Just in time for Annie Live. That's yes. perfect. <laughs> so we are sort of eagerly anticipating. We're waiting to see what happens here with this trial. We'll be coming out, like you said, with a full episode to just rehash all of the charges against Josh Duggar to talk more about kind of the goings on during the trial and to discuss what's going to happen to him next which hopefully he'll be hung by the toenails and fried for this because he's terrible and you know from what we know of inmates and how they treat people who have abused children Mm -hmm. I think he's in for 
a real treat. So or solitary, where then that. he goes, where then he goes nuts. So you know, either way, yeah. if he wasn't already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's definitely some new revelations and new further clarifications to things that we've talked about in the past too. That if you can't tell, I'm a crazy psycho following this, so I'm really excited to talk about that. So. Definitely stay tuned for that episode. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, we can't wait. So hashtag fuck Josh Duggar Mm -hmm. and hopefully not literally, of course, hopefully justice will be served and we'll be able to report on it next week. But for now, I think that we are all set to finish up our Brittany Murphy episode, which we left on a cliffhanger last time we are ready to resume And when we spoke last, we were talking about how there were a ton of prescriptions in Brittany and Simon's home. There were upwards of 90 prescription pill bottles on Simon's side of the bed in his little bedside table with different names than his own. And we talked about the fact that Brittany Murphy had her own prescriptions. They had her name and they had the name Lola Manila, which was probably Mm -hmm. a pseudonym. And, you know, she was probably just getting a ton of different prescriptions from different doctors under this pseudonym. And, you know, so drugs were a big deal to these people. And that's something to think about as we proceed into the after death portion of the show here. Yes, the postmortem. <laughs> All right. So after these prescriptions that we talked about, that was obviously you know, very concerning. And people were talking about an autopsy, you know, definitely has to be an autopsy. Want to see what's going on. Who's the one person that doesn't want an autopsy? Oh, good old Simon, of course. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just the beginning of his kind of creepy, weird, questionable behavior after her death. He and her mother went on the Larry King show And their comments, his in particular, were, it was just very creepy and disturbing. Um, Beyond. Yeah. Just not how you'd expect like a grieving husband to act at all. Everything he said was like lovely bones status. Like serial killer. Like, oh, you know, he made comments about the body. Mm -hmm. Like instead of saying, oh, like it was Brittany and she was so sorry she was dead, whatever. He referred to her as the body. Yeah. Pristine body, curvy in all the right places with skin like silk. How could I say cut it up in front of her mother? Like what? First of all, you just call your wife it. True. And I get that Uh, she's dead, but like, God, that just, it doesn't doesn't hit me right. Most people still end up referring to their loved one in the present tense for a while after they pass away because they struggle with it, let alone referring to their, them as an it, you know, their body, like. Yeah, he was he was creepy as anything on this. And 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 he's saying this on national television as his reasoning for not wanting an autopsy, like no self-awareness at all. Yeah. Like, how did you think that this was a good way to portray yourself? Right. Come on. Well, and then to get even creepier, they also took pictures that almost look like I don't even know how to describe it. Some of them strike me as almost maternity style esque, but like with a picture of Brittany. So it, it is definitely not pictures of a mother-in-law and mother-in-law, son-in-law, however you want to phrase it, um, posing together for 
death grieving pictures. They very much looked like a couple. Um, very creepy, very, very creepy. On top of that, we know that Sharon and Simon have a really weird close relationship, right? They, they definitely have this creepy relationship where, you know, they continued to live in the house together and they, uh, one of the reporters that we talked about that had kind of special access to the house with Simon said she went in and saw the master bedroom where it looked like not just one side, but both sides had been slept in. And this was questioned because obviously it's like, what's going on? Brittany's passed away. This is Simon's room. Weird enough, you're living together still. And I think it was Simon confessed and Sharon, you know, backed him up that, oh, well, sometimes she just comes into bed and like snuggles with him because they're both grieving. They just hold each other. And I'm sorry, that's just not normal. Yeah. Like, okay. There's no, you know, right or wrong way to grieve, but there kind of is like, this is just beyond weird. So the relationship between Simon and Sharon was already really messed up before Brittany died. But by the time she died, their relationship could not get more incestuous and weird. Just another kind of layer to their craziness though, was with this reporter, uh, Simon took her through the house. And one of the things that she noticed was that their was a ton of security. And if we want to get into our favorite conspiracy theories here, Simon said that the reason for this was because there was a conspiracy that the government was targeting them for what, who knows? God only knows. And how could you even think it's again, classic example of like this paranoid narcissism. Simon thinks he's so much more important than he really is. Exactly. In the same way that Josh Duggar exactly. was so stupid to plead not guilty. Yeah, was was Simon's password for everything Intel 1988 as well? I mean, I'd like to know. Um, it was I killed Brittany Murphy, one, two, three. Right, right. It was me, one, two, three. It, if I did it, here's how, four, five, six. But yeah. yeah, it's just clear that, you know, there was weird stuff going on. Simon thought that the freaking government was targeting him like come on it is just it's it's too weird picturing the mother and the son-in-law cuddled up together in bed in the dead girl's bed right right yeah that especially it's almost this um perfect like poetic literary like whatever in a story that you'd see of the mother kind of coming into that spot you know, metaphorically and physically in the marriage bed. It's just so creepy. I don't know. It's beyond creepy. And what's worse is, so Simon obviously needed to finagle the money coming from Brittany and her estate towards him because she was his cash cow. She was his only income. Managing her was the only reason that he had any money at all. He gave up everything to be her manager. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean, the dude completely... overshadowed her and took her life over so but Brittany left every single thing in her will to her mother and since Simon didn't have another job he then started the Brittany Murphy Foundation oh this is rich right here education now this is really rich and I just don't understand it's so messed up I can't believe that somebody would actually do this and think it was a good idea right 
So he starts this foundation and he tells Brittany's family and friends that he's going to charge them to come to her memorial service. Right. What? Under the guise of, oh, it's going to this foundation or, you know, whatever, which is just alone is not okay and normal. And <laughs> what? I, I don't get it. And then on top of everything, like these are grieving people. These are her grieving friends, right. friends and family members. And you're going to now charge them to go to her memorial service. Like yeah. what the hell? Yeah. So spoiler alert, there never was a memorial. <laughs> yeah. It never ends up happening. Right. And Simon ends up hiring this publicist for himself and for Sharon after Brittany's been dead a month. Yeah. So it's clear he's trying to not necessarily lawyer up, but he's trying to like press up and create positive press for himself because this ain't going well. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, publicist, definitely the first thing he looked at was uh, the Larry King interview. And he's like, yeah, they, they featured the pictures in that Larry King interview. And he was like, yeah, those would not have been the poses and the pictures I would have suggested him to do. Um, so it's always interesting to me, the people that end up taking clients and it's like, I know you need the money. I know it's a foot into the celebrity world, but like, good luck with that mess. Trying to sort that out. Just like Josh Duggars, yeah. we're going to keep bringing up, but Josh Duggars, you know, publicist or whatever, like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. What a job to have. Can you mm -hmm. imagine? But it's crazy what all we found out about Simon once Brittany was gone. So after she died, all this information starts pouring yeah. out of people and getting revealed. So going along with this, you know, what came out after Brittany died, all this craziness that came out, I think we mentioned in the last episode that Simon had convinced Brittany's mother that to create security for them, he was going to take this money that was left over and make all of these investments. And he was telling them that he bought all this jewelry, which they saw. He said that he uh, was making all these investments and was buying real estate. And he said he ended up spending about $3 million in three years, which is insane. Most people don't see that in their lifetime. So it's pretty crazy. And after the fact, it's all coming to realization that all this stuff was a lie. So the jewelry he bought ended up getting appraised. It was all fake. There was nothing. There were none of these real estate, other investments. And so you really have to wonder what the heck was going on with this money. Where was he putting it? What was he buying? And so then it comes to be after Brittany's mom, you know, finds out that all of this is a lie. She's actually only left with the house, Brittany's pension and whatever was in the bank, which yes, it's probably great. It's probably, you know, she's probably of money, but yeah, but still it's nothing that, you know, as the sole heir to a celebrity's, you know, estate you would expect to, to have. So he definitely did her dirty there. Yeah. Which is such a shame. I mean, it really screwed over the mom, Sharon, in the yeah. end. And, you know, and she really trusted Simon. She and did. as we talked about in the last episode, she just really defended him to the grave, so mm -hmm. to speak. Because, nice segue, I was going to say to the grave. To the grave, because he literally died in 2010. It was a weird year. And this reporter who Simon had a lot to do with was on vacation with her significant other. 
And Simon was constantly calling her mm. and leaving these messages about, you weren't there for me. Creepy. And right after she got home, Simon died of Ugh. acute bronchial pneumonia. And the toxicology came back and revealed, aka didn't reveal, it just confirmed <laughs> that Simon was on multiple medications. Shocking. And it's amazing. It's kind of creepy that it was five months after Brittany had passed away and it was in the same bathroom that she died. Creepy. He perished. And it was almost the same reasons. Yeah. And same deal. He was found unresponsive. And it just, it's shocking how the two of them just went in this incredibly short span of time. Yeah, yeah. It's super creepy. And the publicist, you know, th there's multiple people that kind of give some insight into, I mean, Simon was a weird guy to begin with. So you don't know if that interaction with the reporter was just, you know, weird Simon as normal or something else going on. But the publicist also talked about the last day before Simon died. He said that he had talk, talked with him and Simon would kind of drift off in the eyes and then come back, pick up the conversation as if he were there the whole time, almost, you know, like a, like he had narcolepsy or something. And just the similarity in the causes of death really got people to think, which was before this even came up in the documentary, this was exactly where my mind went. I was like, oh, is it, is it mold? Is it something in the house? Right. Because something in the house, yeah. They're, they're both dying in such a similar situation and similar causes, you know? Um, and it, you can see there's some footage in this documentary. There's definitely mold and stuff going on around Which the window no frames and stuff their God. home was just so poorly maintained oh. and it was like you could get the idea that it was a huge expensive beautiful home right but it was just in complete disrepair yeah. disarray there were clothes everywhere there was just stuff everywhere there was oh it's one of those houses where every single drawer is crammed yes. to the top with stuff Every single open piece of space is crammed with like those movable drawers. Yes. It's like they just were hoarders and they were just shoving crap in there. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense to me, at least when they showed the mold. I was kind of like, of course there's mold in this house. Right. Like these people were living a really gross yeah. life. Yeah. You're not going to find a wet towel in a corner under all that crap, like alone, which is my paranoia with laundry and stuff. It's like, if you accidentally leave a damp towel, you're going to get mold. Like I, I just, there's one shot where they're in the bathroom and the countertop is just covered in like lotion, like lotion bottles, yes. for, like, and it is just to an extreme. And I'm even thinking yeah, it almost that, makes your like, skin crawl. Yeah. Looking at that and to seeing the excess to which they hoarded stuff and crammed yeah. it all in. Like, and I just can't imagine how you wouldn't have mold. I mean, not right. to say it was their fault, but by the same token, it's not that strange to me that, you know, there was mold all over the window. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, mold to a certain extent could cause issues, but under that, even if you have mold, it's not going to cause, it's not going to be the source of this. And so the medical examiner examiner actually said, there's no evidence of mold. You would have been able to see, I don't know if it's the spores or whatever evidence, other evidence there is in the lungs, but there was no evidence of mold having anything to do with either of their deaths. So, you know, who really knows? So that's out in terms of a conspiracy theory, which I guess, 
I can see why they would have thought this. Like right. you said, it's a little too weird that they both passed away under the same exact almost conditions. Right. But by the same token, I think they were also just living such an unhealthy lifestyle mm-hmm. and were clearly messing around with just multiple, multiple drugs and who knows yeah. what else. Yeah, definitely. Aside from this, it still didn't convince Brittany's father, who now kind of came back into the picture. This is Angelo Bertolotti. <laughs> yeah, this guy was living in Florida. He was running nightclubs. Sharon hated him. They were estranged for years. And he came back into the picture after Brittany passed away. And she just thought that he completely thought that Brittany was poisoned right. because he was like, what the hell? My 32-year-old daughter died of something that never should have right. killed a, a healthy understandable. Yeah, totally <laughs> understandable. But was she right. really all that healthy? I mean, we saw how feeble she was there at the end and it just, it was not a healthy 32 yeah. year old. And I think, I think we can skip over this other creepy. I don't know if you remember that the creepy fan who was like, we really became best friends. Like she kept, she was Ew. like the head of, of Britney's fan club and like, so, so he, along with a kind of creepy relationship, uh, head of the fan club, became, he became best friends with her, you know, by her own admission. It's a weird, weird relationship, but they ended up going back and petitioning to have, um, you know, her hair samples tested again. And Dr. Cyril Wecht, who is, if you know anything in the true crime community, he's world renowned, um, And he tested this and there were levels of heavy metals that came back. And this can be the type of thing that's seen in rat and insect killers. So her father is obviously thinking, oh, she's definitely poisoned. They wanted the body exhumed and they also wanted the mom. They wanted Sharon to be a murder suspect. And they're in conspiracy overdrive, as my notes say. So I have a question under what circumstances can a body be rightfully exhumed? Like whose body do we know of who's actually been exhumed and checked for this type? I of mean, there's, thing? there's a I mean, ton and usually it's like, you either have to go through the judicial system where all the paperwork's filed and whatnot. And, you know, that leads to for a court case or, you know, reasonable circumstances to have that exhumed. But I think there is also a way for the next of kin or whoever is kind of designated as the closest family member that can they can be kind of petitioned and essentially have the say to say, yes, I give you permission to exhume my wife's body or whatever, Um Yeah, because I know that's definitely come up in other cases where it's like we can't get the court to say, yes, this body needs to be exhumed. So we're going to go to the spouse or whomever to like try to get them to get on board and agree, you know, if they didn't do it, which usually they did, um, you know, to to agree to have the body exhumed. So in this case, I would assume it would be Brittany's mom unless the court said, you know, unless the court said it needs her body needs to be exhumed, but it's kind of interesting to me. So I don't know. Well, of course, Cyril ends up going back through his conclusions and looking, taking a closer look at the different testing that was done on Brittany's body. And he confirmed that yes, heavy metals were found in Brittany's body, but they were found in the hair and they were not found in the roots. So 
what we know from that is that it wasn't something internal that was manifesting and coming out via her hair growth. It was dyes. Right. It was hairsprays. It was dyes. All that it stuff we're seeing in the bathroom. She was using that we saw <laughs> piled up and it wasn't in her bloodstream. It wasn't poison. No. So that was sort of Cyril ended up agreeing with the cause of death that was provided by the initial autopsy. They kind of moved on that yeah. way. Yeah. And so obviously, like you said, he agrees with it. Her father was saying that, again, Brittany's mother murdered her. That's ruled out, no, not pursued any further. Nobody believes that Brittany's mom murdered her, at least, if we want to kind of keep this, you know, going on. But so I think the biggest revelations that came out about Simon were that first first thing that came out, you know, was that he had a child that Brittany, her mom, nobody knew about, nobody knew about this child. And he had actually been putting this child through private school in England. And, um, in addition to this, so he was, he was using Brittany's money without her knowledge to pay for this child. She didn't even know about. Um, but also there was another woman in France who I think this is the first time that she's kind of come forward in this documentary. And she talks about him having a second child that no one knew about and that he would not even acknowledge. Yeah. And the woman who he was engaged to, Elizabeth Ragsdale, it's just it's so indicative of Simon's pattern and how he latches on to these wealthy, powerful women. He met her super quickly. He moved really fast. He proposed in Harrods with a Tiffany's bag. He gave her the same lie that he gave to other people about having spinal cancer and the having to go to these exotic cartilage. He told her that too. Sorry. That's why I'm laughing. The about. shark cartilage treatment. Yeah. It's, Oh, it's just ridiculous. And like, who would believe this, but who would lie yeah. about it? So it's like, of course you're going to believe it. So of course they move really quickly and she, he gets her pregnant, this woman, Elizabeth, and she was super sick at the beginning of her pregnancy. And Simon said she was forbidden from bringing family yeah. or friends to take care of her. And the, basically the friend saved her life in the end because she went against Simon's wishes and came in spite of the fact that he forbade her. It was crazy, like, the way in which Simon ghosted oh, this it's woman. Awful. So the woman wanted the baby to be born in the United States, and he basically sent her home on a plane to the United States pregnant and said, call me when you're there. Tell me you made it. She calls him once she lands on United States soil. And he hangs up on her, then Awful. never picks up again. And it becomes clear to this woman over time via connections with Simon's mother and other people that he had never had cancer. He had used her right. money. He had taken her money and used it for his cancer, but obviously not for his cancer. And it's just shocking the degree to which he's willing to lie and we know that poor Brittany was obviously a victim of this yeah. as well. And we don't know what he lied to her about, but it's clear the hold that he had on her was probably because of all the lies that he told and how expertly he Yeah, told he them. definitely had a pattern of doing this to other women. Um, and this uh, woman who had the, the unknown child, the child that Simon would not acknowledge, said that 
he actually threatened her to stay quiet saying that he was going to take her son. Um, she knew at the time, cause she had seen an article that he was with Brittany. And so of course that's intimidating. She doesn't know where Brittany stands on this. She just sees him with a celebrity with a ton of money and someone who can take away, you know, her child. So, um, her son, Elijah, was never acknowledged by Simon in his lifetime. And that's kind of where that story ends. But I guess kind of seeing where things are now, because this was really quite a while ago. It's really interesting. Yeah, it really is. And I think because there was one of the sons, like they showed a picture and I think it was either I think it was the son, or just, and I think it was the unknown son. Yeah, so they showed a picture of the son that he refused to acknowledge all this time and refused to claim as his own. Guys, it is the spitting. You are the father. This Maury kid, says you are the father. Yeah. No test required. It's you yeah. because legit, like this kid didn't even look anything like his mother because it looked so much yeah. like Simon. Yeah. So it's just clear this guy is not to speak ill of the dead or anything, but but he's, (laughs) but hey, (laughs) being dead doesn't exempt you from being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very sad ending though. After this, Brittany's mother, obviously the only survivor after all of this, she's now described as very reclusive living somewhere in Southern California. And that's kind of the end of it. I think the creepy ending that the documentary showed was an, a radio interview with Perez Hilton. And this was, I don't know, very fitting of a, of a conclusion because he was kind of the reporter of the time, uh, when Brittany was in her heyday, but he was asked to predict who would pass away in the upcoming year. This was two, uh, 2009 and he predicted Brittany Murphy And just the next year she passed away. And in this interview, he says he obviously regrets it. So I don't know, this, this weird kind of tragedy definitely touched a lot of people. And I don't know, there's no real conclusion to it. It's just kind of a very sad ending to a story. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is Betsy Boss Podcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. 